Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, we are talking just about breastfeeding. We've got plenty to talk about with my guest, Bree Murhar. Bree, welcome to the show. Thank you. Bree is the proud mother of a four-year-old and the proud mother of twins who were just born three months ago. So Brie, congratulations to you and your lovely family. Wow, what a feat. Thank you. It's been something. <laughs> I bet you have a, you're, you're busy in that house, okay? <laughs> yes, very busy. You've got a lot going on. So my understanding is that the these little daughters were born at 29 weeks gestation. And so my first question is, were they born naturally or did you have a cesarean? It was natural. It was natural. Okay. And then how long were they in the hospital? It was two months. Mm-hmm. And those were two of the longest months of your life, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> and so if you were to rate the amount of support that you had as related to breastfeeding, okay, not as related to walking down the hall, but as related to breastfeeding, if you were to rate the amount of support you got for breastfeeding, your breastfeeding decision, helping you with breastfeeding, et cetera, et cetera, on a scale of one to five, five being the best that you can imagine, how would you rate the hospital staff's uh, support for the breastfeeding decision and your implementation of it? So I would say on average, it would be three, but there were some individuals who were extraordinary and were at the five. They did so much to help me make it happen. And then there were other people who did not do that. Um, And it, it was just not necessarily a priority for them. They didn't necessarily make it much harder, but it certainly wasn't, there wasn't a ton of support. Yeah. Uh, I have seen this in my own life more times than I care to count. And I have taught my comprehensive lactation course as well as my review course in multiple U.S. cities. And we're talking multiple, multiple here, like more than 150 times. And I will tell you that I hear this in every single course, every single city, every single year. So this isn't just me. The staff says that if you have twins, well, you're just never going to have enough milk to feed both of those babies. Did you hear a similar story? Uh, They definitely didn't think that I would be able to do it. Um, But I very quickly showed that I could. Um, So I think that the, I didn't really hear it too much because my milk came in quickly. Cause I, I think because I had an older child. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I was able to, and I was very, uh, strict about pumping a ton right away that, uh, it was quickly not a discussion about whether I would have enough. Uh, they were talk- 
people would talk about it. Oh, this mom, she's got a lot of milk. <laughs> so. Okay. So basically you're telling me you gave them some visual evidence right from the get go. I was bringing milk to the NICU constantly and there. So I'd be bringing in tons and tons. So they um, knew right away that I would be fine. <laughs> well, then I guess my question is, why were they pushing bottle feeding? Because, because usually that's what I hear. You won't have enough milk. You got you to give these kids a bottle. But it sounds like their motivation for, because I know that you said they really wanted you to give a bottle. What do you think their motivation was for give these kids a bottle if they thought you really had enough milk? The well, because it wasn't really um, about whether I had enough milk. Was whether that they could actually nurse, which was what we struggled with. So they, because yeah. they were so small, and um, so at first they just couldn't even. We couldn't even try. Um, the biggest thing with bottles is it's so easy for them. They can measure it. It's really yeah. obvious how much is there, how much they took. Um, with breastfeeding, you can't tell. <laughs> and it's just, it's a lot harder. And as someone would joke, she's like, unfortunately, your breasts aren't clear. <laughs> yeah. And, and there aren't lines on your breasts to see how much they drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that, you know, they like how um, straightforward a bottle is. Yeah, that's an interesting word for it. But yes, I mean, until we can get a little counter thingy that goes inside to measure your milk, it, it, it's, it, it eludes them. That's for sure. Yeah. So help us here. Uh, babies were born at 29 weeks. I'm sure that they were not immediately put to breast. I get that. But how long was it before the babies did get to breast? Oh, a long time. They, we didn't even try that till like 32 weeks, I yeah. think. So yeah, yeah like three weeks. And so what happened with that? Did they insist that the baby prove herself with a bottle before they put her to breast or was 32 weeks? I mean, in some institutions, 32 weeks is kind of like, okay, that's your ticket to actually be able to breastfeed with your mom. How did that work for you? Was it a timeline? Was it a prove yourself with the bottle? Was it just the whim of the neonatologist or what? It was watching the babies for cues that they would be interested. Okay. Um, so the they they actually never tried a bottle because I told them I didn't want to. Okay. Uh, and so it was all about, is the baby starting to show any cues that they would like to breastfeed? Um, okay. Are they starting to lick and bring their hands to their mouths? Um, any so I'm of- assuming they were tube fed. So they were, yeah, so the whole time they had a tube um, and that's how they were fed. Yeah, Uh, and that's pretty common. And yes, absolutely. When kids start to show those signs, uh, that's really good. So that leads to another question, which was, how about skin-to-skin contact? How did that work? Did they let you do it? If so, when? Tell us how that worked. Yeah, we, we did it a lot. Uh, it was definitely really challenging, especially because the babies are covered in cords and stuff all over them. Uh, so, and I would say that was definitely a mixed level of support too. There were some people who really pushed and said, you need to be doing this as much as possible. We had an OT there who was extremely uh, supportive and a big advocate for that and telling me I needed to do it as much as I could. Then the nurses were just not as supportive. They, they would say that I should, but 
they didn't really want me to because it was work (laughs) and it was a pain. So um, they'd say, oh, well, yes, you can, but it, you know, it's, it's not the best time and we don't want to do it too much. And you just took them out. So we don't want to take them out again. And, and there was a lot of reasons why, um, they didn't recommend it, even though they supposedly did. Uh, they got the words out of their mouth, but you could tell they didn't really want to say it. No. And there was one time. So the first time I wanted to try to hold them together, who was actually the OT's idea was like, why don't you try, you know, it's really hard to be pumping and trying to hold them a bunch and everything. So she said, why don't you try to hold them together? That will give you some time that you actually get to hold them and everything. And I was really excited because that meant that would be the time they get, could see each other for the first time. Sure. And they've been separated since they were born. And so when we told the nurses that they freaked out, they were really not happy about it. And because they had to go get a separate machine to bring one baby over to the other area um, because they still had to be hooked up to, you know, a couple of different things, a monitor and um, oxygen. Sure. And so, you know, it was a hassle, but it really wasn't that big of a deal, but they made it seem like it was really big deal. (laughs) And I mean, I heard they were complaining. (laughs) They did not want to do it. And like, oh, I wish we had more notice. We have all this other stuff going on. And I felt pretty uncomfortable. I bet. and, but I didn't say anything because I really wanted to do it. And I almost backed out and said, never mind, never mind, it's okay. No, <laughs> but I didn't because I really, really wanted to. And, um, and then we did it and it was amazing. And I was so happy that we did it. Oh, tell me about the, the amazing part. Say a little more about that, please. Um, well, it was, it was so special to be able to hold my, both of my babies together. Cause for, you know, the first few weeks, it was this very bizarre thing that I was, you know, I'd had two babies, but I didn't actually have them together. And so then I just felt so happy that they could see each other and be near each other. And, but it was actually pretty hard too, <laughs> just trying to hold the two babies that are so yeah. fragile uh, with all the cords and everything, but it's still, even with all that, the challenge, it was really special. Now I'm curious, did the girls seem to recognize each other? No, they're too little. <laughs> and they were, I would like, I was hoping for something, but they didn't really do anything to indicate that they were being shared. But uh, one thing that I had learned about, which was fascinating is that um, apparently your breasts temperature regulates per, yes. for the babies. Yes. And so you could end up having two different temperatures for whatever each baby needs, which I thought was so incredible and made me feel so good to know that I could be giving them the exact right temperature that they needed. Yes. And by the way, that is based on the work of Dr. Susie Luddington. And uh, she was on the podcast here. Oh, gee, I don't know, a few years ago, which reminds cool. me, probably time to have her back. But that is an interesting piece of research that really shows how the mother's body is fully equipped to take care of the babies. It's just so amazing. Well, I'm glad that you fended off the staff who were, quote, too busy. Uh, (laughs) I remember years ago, Dione Young wrote in her birth, in her book, Changing Childbirth, the baby does not belong to the hospital. And (laughs) having worked in the hospital myself, uh, you know, I, I occasionally had to tell my colleagues that, you know, the baby does not belong to the hospital. Hello, let's 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 talk about this. So let's talk about the whole idea of um giving them formula. Yeah. I'm 
delighted that they recognized that you had enough milk. And by the way, can we back up a little bit? How soon did you start pumping after the babies were born? Right away. Pretty much. um, I mean, I guess, well, there maybe was a few hours before because I, they had to get me a pump. Um, uh, but pretty quickly I, you know, within two or three hours. Yeah. 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 See, by the way, this is huge. This is what a lot of people don't seem to know is that that immediate pumping is really kind of a big deal in terms of getting more volume. And I don't know about your four-year-old, but if she had been uh, breastfeeding for a substantial amount of time, that also means that you're probably going to do better yeah. with somebody who's a first-time mom. Uh, so all of that was definitely in your favor. But it appeared to me from your story that there was still this whole formula question. So what was the rationale for the formula? They explained that because they were born so early, breast milk is not the same as a placenta and that some nutrients do not come through your breast milk. And so that you have, so that formula can, their special preemie formula that can give them something extra that they need. Um, it basically is, they, they, we really pushed protein as the primary issue that that's something that you can really, the babies store up a lot from placenta that they just didn't get. And breast milk just doesn't provide as much of, um, however, however, I, <laughs> however um, I did do some separate reading on my own and found that mothers who give birth to preemie babies, their breast milk is actually higher yeah. on protein. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I never got my milk tested to know, but, um, I, I believe it must've been because I was able to give them, they were able to grow, um, at the rate we needed them to with just breast milk without uh, that formula that they told me I had to have. The dietitian was really adamant about it, that not only would I need to do it in the hospital, but I would need to do it for several months. Once I was home that I needed to have two bottles. They told me I needed to have two bottles of formula a day. Um, to be able to give them what they needed. And how did you respond to that, Brie? What did you tell the dietitian? I I questioned it a lot. <laughs> I, mean, I definitely asked a lot of questions, and she did. You know, basically just kept telling me, "Well, you know, this is what they need." And she, um, she, she definitely tried to um, scare me a little. Yeah. She told me that. Um, she said, well, this is just what the babies need. What we've seen is that babies who don't get this extra formula come back failure to thrive to the hospital. Um, and I don't know, I wish I'd asked a little bit more about that. Cause I really wonder where she got that information from. And because that they wouldn't be going back to the NICU if that's, so where does she, how would she know? How would she know? I don't, I just don't even know how she knows that. I wonder if it's like made up. I just don't know. But um, either way, I mean, she definitely, you know, tried to scare well, me about it. And I, what I think is tricky is that, you know, deciding that formula is a hundred percent better without talking about the risks of formula is just sure. short-sighted. Well, you know, I could just pontificate about this for the rest of the afternoon here. But uh, the fact of the matter is, in some senses, I think she's probably right. And I think that she does have access to some information. But she is equating her basic message, as I hear it, is your milk isn't good enough, doesn't have doesn't have enough protein. 
And so somehow she either made this leap in her own mind or said to you, so therefore your kid is at risk for failure to thrive. And I would say what's probably closer to the truth is that premature infants frequently don't nurse very well. And so are they at at risk for failure to thrive? Well, yeah, but if you can get the milk into them, and I think it's really interesting that I think the protein is, we all know that babies need, shoot, adults need protein (laughs) in order to build and repair cells. That, I mean, we've known that for decades. So it makes sense that human milk would have more protein when it is for the premature baby. It's kind of, you know, nature rigs it that way. If you ever come to my course, you'll hear me say a million times uh, throughout those days, the human body is rigged for survival. You know, it is. (laughs) It's rigged for for survival of the species, all right? Because otherwise we wouldn't be here. But I think it's interesting that she didn't mention the calcium and phosphorus because that actually might hold some water with me, but apparently she didn't say that. No, that, that was mentioned too. They but, did talk about other nutrients. She okay. just really pushed the protein, but she did mention calcium and phosphorus. But um, I actually, that the lactation consultant was like, we're not cows. We don't need as much calcium. But um, I mean, obviously we do need these things and they, you know, they, but, but they've managed to, we, we've managed to still grow without it. So obviously there's, there's more to the story. And as much as I, but there, I think there is some, there is some validity to, okay, yes, they did not get the placenta, you know, the nutrients from the placenta they needed, but they completely did not talk about the other side of the risk of introducing formula. And I, my children, my older child has significant issues with dairy. So I assumed that my new, my twins would also have problems with dairy, which meant that I couldn't really use a regular formula. And so I just felt like the idea of this is, you know, this is what's best was so broad and not thinking about the individual at all. Like what's best for my specific children is, is this really what's best? You know, I don't, you know, or that's just what's best on average for most. Well, it, it is the social norm, Bree. Yeah, that's that's the kicker right there. It is not necessarily the biological excellence we're talking about here. We're really talking about the social norm in America, which is feed the kids formula. The other thing that's interesting is she talked about the nutrients, and that's all well and fine. I don't. I would not echo what the lactation consultant said. She said, we're not cows. That's true. But because most bone accretion happens in the third trimester, I think that we can make a good case for the fact that preemie kids need more calcium. But there's another whole thing that apparently nobody mentioned to you because you haven't said it, which is how, so like, just take the nutrition thing off the table for a minute. What about the whole immunological protection? Did anybody talk about that? Because Human milk has so much bio, uh, immunological protection. And did anybody say, by the way, none of those live cells are in formula? Did anyone tell you that? No, I mean, there was no talk about that at all. Oh, please. Bree, uh, <laughs> what is painful to me is that you are like the umpteenth billionth person that has told this story, okay? This is something that should not happen. The mother needs to be in charge of the decision-making for what her baby eats, drinks, breathes, whatever. And by the way, 
I usually like to say, are they going to come along and tell you what, how old your baby should be when she has her first date or when you <laughs> give her the keys to the car? I mean, how much of this, there is a big piece of parenting that is not medicalized. And that's like another whole story. That's probably another <laughs> whole show. All right. But uh, very frequently, I find that preemies get up to the breast when they do get up to the breast. And there are two things that usually jump out at me. One is that the nurse or somebody says that you've got to breastfeed them both at the same time. And the second one is that there's X number of minutes that you're supposed to do. Did you hear those two messages? Yes, definitely. The, uh -huh. They weren't like, well, I guess they said, you know, it'll be really helpful when you can get them both to nurse at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, that will be great when they're ready. <laughs> Right. When I can handle that, but that, that definitely did get mentioned quite a bit, but, and so it, it felt like there's a lot of pressure to get there, which yeah. I all, you know, felt like, yeah, I can't wait to get there too, but uh, that's a long way. But I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not there yet. And, <laughs> uh, and I knew that that was not something that I was able to do yet, even though, you know, we did try a few times, but it was really hard <laughs> and because I only have two hands <laughs> and the babies really needed both hands for yes. you know, her baby. Yes. And, um, and then the other, um, side of things, what was the other thing? It was like, um, how many minutes, how many minutes? Oh my gosh. How many minutes? That was <laughs> such a thing because that was really, because we weren't using bottles, the, how many minutes was a huge deal. Yeah. And that made things really, really tricky because it's actually not the best way to measure. No. How, and I didn't really know at the time I was like, I knew that it wasn't really the best, but I didn't really know, you know, how to best fight it. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was very challenging because, you know, each baby was different. One baby yes. nursed for longer than the other. Yeah. And I didn't really know why. And, but, I, um, and so I had, they had given me this very specific rule. Once the babies reach 15 minutes of nursing, then we, we can skip half of their tube feed. And that was basically my way out. Yeah. So that was the rule that they told me. And so I was trying to get to this 15 minutes, <laughs> but I was afraid because, yeah. because at the same time of this, I have to get to 15 minutes was also the, is your breast milk enough? Are they going to be able to grow? So I was really afraid of like, if I, you know, if I'm overstating how much they're nursing and then they're not getting enough milk and they're not growing as much, they're going to push me on formula. So I was a really tricky balance of, I got to make sure that they're getting enough breast milk to, and how am I going to get out of here with meeting this 15 minute rule? And it was very, very challenging and stressful. And I was trying super hard to, you know, watch how much they were nursing. And I would even stop counting 15 minutes if they stopped nursing. And it was very, very careful about it. And even when I finally got to 15 minutes, they didn't put the order in for the nurses to follow that new rule. Oh man. It was horrible. So, so one of my babies had nursed long enough. And so I said, okay, great. She's only getting half feet now. She said, oh no, not yet. The doctor hasn't put the order in yet. So we'll do that. You know, after she's, after she has successfully nursed a few times for 15 minutes, then we'll start doing half feet. Oh, excuse me. So now we've got a delay and we, we, they've moved the goalpost. Yes. <laughs> it was horrible. So then, so, but then of course now I'm like, oh, great. So this baby has now successfully nursed long enough. And then you're going to give them a full amount right after. So I watched as they fed my baby more milk after she had nursed for a long time. Yep. And 
this and then they she just erped it back up. Yeah. Well, so then they tell, like, they explain to me, oh, well, the way we know they're actually getting enough is by them spitting up. So I'm like, oh, you basically overfeed them. Right. Make them throw up. Right. And then that's how you know that they've had enough, which Absolutely. I was disgusted I by. It is ridiculous. I was so like, upset. Yes. I mean, it was disgusting. And I was like, you're literally choosing to overfeed my baby and make her throw up, which is worse than trust that I know that she's nursed enough. Right. And so, uh, so they were overfeeding one of my babies and I, she was squirming as they're feeding her. I was getting so upset watching it happen. I finally jumped up and turned the feeder off because I couldn't take it anymore. Oh. And I was so upset. And I told them, I was like, I'm sorry, I had to stop it. She was full. <laughs> you were feeding her yes. in yes. her nose. She couldn't do anything about it. She couldn't push it away. She was just oh. being overfed. Oh, and so that's, so then they, agreed to put in the order, but they argued with me about it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And the, the doctor was pretty unkind and he was like basically trying to defend his, well, we want to make sure they're getting enough argument. And, and I said, I was like, you would never do that to an adult. You would not, you know, force overfeed a, an adult. Why are you doing it to a baby? And he, we argued for a while and he said, well, you're already getting what you want. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I said, and I said, okay. <laughs> oh, it was man. Pretty horrible. And this oh. is just about them overfeeding my baby and they're getting like defensive and angry. Um, yeah, it was really, awful. Um, these quote rules drive me nuts. It drives me nuts that I'm hearing this story once again. Different mom, different babies, different doctor, different hospital. I'm telling you, the story is always the same. And I also can't help but tell you Years ago, and I'm talking like 25 or 30 or more years ago, my dear beloved friend, Debbie Bokar, who is a doctorally prepared nurse and an IBCLC, she had one slide that said, mouth on breast does not equal breastfeeding. And that made such an impact on me when I saw that because I thought, you know, there is the problem right there. It, the baby has to nurse however many minutes, what, whatever it is in your hospital, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. What, it's such an arbitrary number. But that just means that the baby's mouth is on the breast. It doesn't mean that he's actually getting any milk. And I will tell you that I have seen some kids who can empty the mother's breast, not that the breast is ever really empty, but you know what I mean, fully drain, uh, in a whole lot less than that. And some babies who quite honestly take longer than that. And typically preemie babies, I always ask, so that would be 15 minutes from when? From the time the mother holds the baby, from the time the mother has a letdown, from the time the baby actually says, oh, am I supposed to be doing something here? You know, because sometimes they get up to breast and they just <laughs> kind of look at you like, Huh? Was I supposed to do something here? So I think this 15 minutes baloney is is really a crack of baloney. And I'm sorry that you were subjected to that. But <laughs> I, I, I'm just, first of all, congratulations that you were able to mostly fight your way out of that. And that you realized that the baby belongs to you and you have some say here. It's just absolutely Oh, it's just absolutely critical. I can just, oh, I can just feel my blood pressure going up just talking about it here. Holy mackerel. So 
What about yeah, there was a lot of things I felt like I was really fighting. And- I'm not sure. This is oh yeah. Except the mother should not have to go in there with her boxing gloves on. But I'm sure that many days that's what it felt yeah. like. Uh, by the way, Definitely. the science for most of what these folks have been telling you is very foggy, flaky, or even just plain absent. So another thing that we hear a lot about is how many um uh, keeping the baby on a schedule or, or, or I, I'm going to back up a minute. You kind of alluded to this, but I want to go back to the part about trying to breastfeed both babies at the same time. Uh, that's all well and great, but it's usually not very realistic because many mothers have never even handled a baby. Now, luckily you had a four, four year old, so <laughs> you've actually handled a baby, which is good, but even then, it's hard to just hold two squirmy, wormy little kids, much less get them attached correctly. And I will tell you that for all the times that we tell, oh, you got to do this all, you know, all at the same time, all at the same time. It's like, well, then neither one of them end up getting a good feeding. And then they wonder why they fail failure to thrive. So I don't really see that that's... Yeah. So how long did it take you before you could breastfeed both babies at the same time? I'm still not great at it. Okay. <laughs> uh, we still, I, I occasionally do it out of desperation because they're both crying yep. and I just seems um, like the better part of the crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, but I'm not supposed um, to hear it's, this. It's not successful yet because they're still too little yeah. and they, they can't, they can't hold on on their own. So I basically, what you described, they don't nurse well right. because they're both fall, falling off right. <laughs> each time I get one latched and then I switch to the other one, the other one falls off. And so it ends up with just a very frustrating experience for, for all of us and, and not successful. So it, I, it's better to just, you know, wait, have somebody else hold the baby and nurse one and then switch to the next. Yeah. And- At least for now. <laughs> the thing is, I would rather see the baby get a good feeding. And and by the way, with preemie babies, I'm I'm always good at saying, well, listen for swallowing, but that's not true with preemie babies because sometimes they suck their tongue and they fiddle around and yeah, I don't know, you can't really depend on that, but I'm going to guess that maybe somebody taught you to breast to uh weigh the babies before and after feedings. Right. So that is what um, got me out of the hospital because since they couldn't, um, so since we were not able to measure how much they were getting through a bottle because I, I didn't want to introduce a bottle. um, They, they wanted to go by this 15 minute mark, which I was basically never able to, I was not going to be able to meet it for a long time. Maybe never. It was, it was a really impossible thing for me to do because like you described, some babies are more effective. Well, one of my babies, she nursed much more effectively. She would be, she would get a lot in like seven minutes. And so she would wipe out after seven minutes, actually nurse quite a bit. And we didn't know it. So I started doing, um, weighing them before and after each nursing session. And we basically started treating that as, um, like it was like they were getting a bottle. So we said, we weighed them, nursed, weighed them again and said, Oh, there was you know, 25 milliliters difference or not. That's 25. That's way too much. It was what was like 10 milliliters different. That's how much okay. they got. And then we okay. would say, okay, the rest they're going to get through the tube. So 
we switched doing that. And within a week, I was able to go home. Ding, ding, ding. And it was a huge difference. That's what's completely changed the trajectory of my experience there. Um, I started weighing them before and after every feed for the entire, the rest of the week. And, and then we were able to, based off of that, reduce how much they were getting in their tube each time, depending on how much they actually got at the breast versus how long they were there. We discovered that the baby that hadn't been nursing as long was actually getting way more than the baby that had been actually successfully getting to 15 minutes. She was actually getting super small amount of milk and I didn't know it. And then once I discovered that through this, um, you know, experience of weighing them, then I realized I had to really focus on her and make sure I was getting her enough. I was compressing my breast. I was making sure I was getting really engaged to really make sure that she was getting enough out because I didn't even realize that she wasn't, that she was, she was meeting those marks of 15 minutes, but she wasn't actually getting that much milk. In fact, I usually worry more about the baby who takes longer because I'm asking myself, is any maybe they're still there because nothing's really happening, and yeah. you've really the, both of these little girls needed a lot of bodily support. I'm sure because typically premature babies kind of have weak muscles, mm-hmm. and that's both their oral muscles as well as the rest of their body. You know, they're just kind of like little raggedy hands here. <laughs> uh, although I guess I'm dating myself. Probably nobody knows what raggedy hand is. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, truly, you've got to be able to get food into these kids. And even with twins, just because one baby does whatever, that does not mean the other baby is going to do exactly what her sister did. It just doesn't necessarily work that way. So let's go to the schedule thing. What were you told about schedule and how did they feel about waking the babies up? Tell me, tell me how that worked. Um, where basically they would, um, be like, they would have wake them up every three hours and change their diaper, do their, you know, temperature, all that. Um, and, and then try to nurse them. And if they didn't nurse, then they would get their, um, the milk through the tube. Um, and the, the challenge with that three hours as well for, it's obviously not natural. Um, you know, babies certainly eat more frequently than that. Um, and, but of course they're preemie, so it was different. They really did need sleep and they didn't necessarily wake up in those yeah, times they and they would even up. get, you know, cared for and sleep through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would sleep through it. And that was that. Um, but it was really hard to break the cycle because basically if they didn't nurse in that little bit of time that I was given, then they would get their full feed through the tube and they never really got a chance to sh- get hungry and nurse there's at the press. And so there was, there was times where they maybe would have, but you know, I, we didn't wait long enough because we couldn't, we had to, I had, you know, a few minutes to try to nurse them. Didn't work. They got their full feed. And, and then that was that. And so it's, it's hard to get break this cycle that they were in. Um, And the doctor, you know, you know, said, isn't this, isn't the schedule great? It's going to be so great when you go home and you have a schedule. (laughs) Um, but I knew that that would not be good for them. And I, I imagine that a lot of people end up with that failure to thrive because they tried to keep a schedule. They tried to push their babies to three hours when that really was not what the baby needed. They needed to nurse more frequently and 
that, you know, my baby's nurse much, you know, sometimes it's every hour, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four. (laughs) And, um, it varies a lot. So, um, I, I think trying to be on a schedule would have been really damaging to them once we went home. It's, uh, it's such a hard call. Your babies were in the NICU for how, how long, Brie? Oh, it was two months. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, inside of two months, they were born at 29 weeks. All right. So they're getting into the neighborhood of the equivalent of a term baby, but they're still not really a term baby. So the babies are now three months old. They're home with you. Right. How much formula have they had since they were born? Oh, zero. Bingo. This is what I wanted to hear, (laughs) which is it can be done and they are making adequate weight gains at regular doctor visits. Yes. 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 Uh, I've been trying to keep extra, you know, extra close eye at home because I know how sensitive it is at this point. Um, But yes, I've, you know, we have been, but I've been very, very careful. Like I, I know that it's not something I can just, you know, relax about that. They are preemies and they're, you know, still learning to breastfeed and they're basically like newborn still. And so I've got to be really diligent about it. But I think that that diligence is why your babies are making good weight gains and they're not going in for failure to thrive. You're watching what's happening. You're watching the babies. You're doing breast compressions for the baby who is not as vigorous. You're doing the test weights. You're doing on and on and on. And you're responding to babies and doing the skin to skin. To me, everything that you're talking about just makes so much sense. It's like that was part of why I had the courage to say, so your babies have had how much formula? Because I'm figuring <laughs> you're good here, woman. You are good. You're extra, extra good. We're kind of coming to the uh, close here, Bree. I have one last question for you before we go out today. And that is, if you had it all to do again, you know, life is a good teacher. We learn things as we go along. If you knew you were going to have twins at 29 weeks, and if you knew that there were going to be all these rules, and if you knew that they were going to do what they did to your babies, tell you what they told you, and so forth and so on, what are maybe two or three things that you would have done differently that you can tell all the moms who are listening today? What would you have done differently? Um. I think I would have tried to not get too upset about some of the things that they said. I would have tried to ignore more of the stuff from the nurses and focus more on what I know to be true. Cause I, I definitely went back and forth a lot about this, you know, this push on formula and was, am I wrong? You know, I don't know preemies. I could be wrong about this. And there was a lot of doubt and So a lot of self-doubt, even though there was a part of me that said, no, I know this is true. I know, but there, there was so much pressure around how much that they really needed. And so I was worried and, you know, I would tell myself, you know, you know, what's right there. You have yes. motherly instincts, even though this is not yes. normal, you know, oh, absolutely. this is not a normal situation. I still should, I should still trust myself. Absolutely. Um, and that was, there was, a, it was hard. That was a hard thing to do. Um, this is not necessarily 
breastfeeding related, but I guess there even there was other things that came up being in the NICU. Um, and I wish that I had fought even more <laughs> that, uh-huh. that if there was ever anything that bugged me that I felt like that they weren't doing right, I should have pushed even harder and even harder, even though I, I did advocate a lot. Um, I feel like I would not let anything go next time. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Wow. This has been so helpful. You've given us so many insights. I know you've given some courage to some moms who are out there listening, who in fact just need to have the courage of your convictions and their own convictions. And you've helped us so much with that. Bree, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And for those who are interested, you should know that I have some, some spots still available in my Mondays with Marie. You can visit me at mariebiancuzo.com. That is M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O. Come find out, have a chat with me, or consider my courses. But by all means, let me know how I can help you to take your career to the next level. Until next week, just remember, all babies were born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.